بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 18th of january in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we've completed the first month the 30th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion sayyidina anas ibn malik radiyallahu and i began the subsection yesterday in which i was mentioning his witnessing some of the endless miracles of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and i mentioned specifically those miracles regarding water so let us now turn to a few miracles with regards to food stuff in imam ahmad in his musnad number 13135 sheikh shu'ib al-arna'ut rahmatullah alayhi in his checking stated sahih sayyidina anas radiyallahu He relates that his mother, radiyallahu anhu, once said to him, O Anas, radiyallahu, go to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and say, if you would like to eat lunch at our dwelling, then feel free. Thus I went and informed him, and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and those who are with me also, i.e. who were just a few men with him at the time, I responded, yes. He then instructed them, arise. So stop in the report. So note again the informality between the blessed household and the Prophet He was invited for lunch if he wished to attend. And when Anas invited him, the Prophet said, what about those with me? He goes, fine. I then returned quickly to Umm Sulaim and I was surprised now by how many people had come with Rasulullah. Meaning others joined him on the way. She thereupon said to me, What have you done, O Anas? Rasulullah then entered and asked, Do you have butter? She replied, Yes. He then instructed her to bring it. Thus I brought it and he opened it and he made the following dua. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increase the barakah within it. He then instructed, flip it over. Thus I did. He thereupon squeezed it while saying, Bismillah, in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I then took the pot and subhanallah, over 80 men were able to eat from it. Some of it was also left over. Thus he gave it to Umm Sulaim saying, eat and feed your neighbors. Subhanallah. So here, again, notice, again and again, miracles after miracles. This time the Prophet, he made a dua. When he opened the, the maybe a leather pouch of, of butter, and he goes, Oh my Lord, increase the blessings within it. And then he turned it over and he squeezed it. And he was saying, Bismillah. And over 80 men, Anna said, ate from it. There was still some left, and my mother then ate and, get, and was told to feed the neighbors. So Allahu Akbar, what a blessed household in which miracles seem to be occurring on a daily basis. But like I mentioned, this should not come as any surprise because it's mentioned in Tabarani in his Ausat number 6481 or 6-305 that Sayyidah Umm Sulaim 
had once requested Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to pray in her dwelling so that they could take that as a place of prayer too. And I'm not forgetting earlier the mention of his sallallahu alayhi wa also offering the funeral prayer for her deceased son also in the same blessed residence. So we shouldn't find it strange in the least. The Prophet prayed there. He blessed it again and again. He would rest there. So obviously, wherever the Prophet travels, there's going to be blessings. And if he spends a lot of time in a place, it's going to be super blessed. And that, of course, was Anas's dwelling. Clarifying further. So this narration is recorded by Imam Ghazali in his Ikhya, in the chapter on the manners relating to eating, page 22 to 3 of the English translation. Hassan al-Basri, he once stood as he ate from the goods of a grocer in the market, taking from this jar a fig and from that jar a dry date. Hisham said in amazement, O Abu Sa'id, how do you reconcile piety with eating the goods of this man without even his permission? So stop in the report. So Hassan al-Basri, is at a stall and the owner's away. And like we'd say, he was helping himself. And he had took a, a fig out of one of the containers. He took a date out. So another man, Hisham, he couldn't believe it. He goes, where's piety in this? He goes, the owner's not even here. You're eating. So Hassan al-Basri replied, O foolish one, recite to me the verse of food. So again, notice, what does that mean? If somebody was to ask you, recite to me the verse of food, you think, are you talking about Surah Maida? No, the verse of food. So the man, he recited Surah An-Nur, Surah 24, verse 61. And this is the translation of the Billahi Minishitan Rajim. It is no fault in the blind, nor in one born lame, nor in one afflicted with illness, nor in yourselves that you should eat in your own dwellings or those of your fathers or your mothers or your brothers or your sisters or your father's brothers or your father's sisters or your mother's brothers or your mother's sisters. Or in houses of which the keys are in your possession. Or in the house of a sincere friend of yours. Hisham the recited then asked, And who is Sadiqikum in this verse? O Abu, Has, uh, o Abu Sa'id. He answered, He with whom the soul is at ease and the heart is at rest. Aye, for he will not mind, but in fact grieve if you did not partake of what belonged to him, of what is lawful. Subhanallah. So what happened? The narrator Hisham, he didn't understand what Hassan al-Basri was doing. He was helping himself to some food from a stall. And the proof of what he was doing is in the Quran. And this shows that his stu- the student was also learned. He knew the verse, Surah 20, 24, verse 61. And what does it say in a nutshell in that verse? Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, is mentioning that there is no problem in you eating from these places. So obviously, starting with your family, your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, then your uncles, paternal, your paternal aunts, your maternal uncles, your maternal aunts. But then, look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. 
or in houses of which the keys are in your possession. So what does that mean? It means that if a person gives you the keys to his dwelling to look after, there is no harm in you eating from there. And then it says, O Sadiqikum, a sincere friend of yours. So then the narrator understood. Because what does that mean? Who is that person we can eat from without any problem? And he answered, He with whom the soul is at ease and the heart at rest. Meaning, they actually get upset if you don't eat what belongs to them. Now think about that. How many can really be called your siddiqs? So for instance, if one of us owned a shop, let's say, and as if you truly considered that person a siddiq to you, would he mind you eating anything from there? So imagine you take a packet of crisps, you take a, you know, a bottle of coke, you take a chocolate. Now look how strange that would seem to people. Are you going to pay for it? No. Because the owner's not here. And your response is, he's a sincere friend. In fact, if I don't take, he would be upset. So who is really Allah mentioning in praise here? He's mentioning those who are very close and really sincere to each other. Subhanallah, who ever mentioned this? Thus the blessed household of Sayyidah Umm Sulaim together with his illustrious family members were amongst the sincere friends of who? Rasulullah with whom his sacred heart and soul would take ease and rest from. Allahu Akbar, what an exalted family. Think about that. So Allah is actually praising very, very, you know, in a very unique manner the household of Anas. Because think about it, who did the Prophet just go to? Rest, eat, drink. And you go, it was Umm Salim's dwelling. So who is that? He goes, oh, that's Sadiqi. And the guy looks at it, he goes, well, I don't understand. He goes, Surah 24 verse 61, still doesn't understand. And you've got to break it down. But you are not allowed to do that if they are not at that level. Have you understood? So the, the what's the easy way to distinguish? You can tell. If I take, he'll get upset. Then he's not. So for instance, Abu Huraira radiallahu this man said to Abu Huraira radiallahu he goes, by Allah, I love you. So Abu Huraira goes, give me what's in your pocket. And the man hesitated. And he goes, keep your love. So what was Abu Huraira telling that person? He goes, if you truly mean what you say, then you must be amongst those whom the Quran is praising. What's yours is mine, like the English say. And mine is yours. But how many people can say that? So note here, the great praise of the family of Umm Suleyh, including Anas. On the same theme, Anas, he relates, there was once a feeling of fright in Al-Madinah. Hence, the Prophet borrowed a horse called Mandub, meaning lazy, belonging to Abu Talha, and he mounted it. When he returned, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ma ra'ina min shay'in wa in wajadnahu la bahra. I did not see anything of fright, and I found this horse like the sea. I'm more swift. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 2862, in the chapter on jihad. Sayyid Muslim, number 2307. Abu Dawood, number 4988. Tirmidhi, number 1691. Ahmed in his Musnad 3-171, Vishqat, number 2943, or volume 4, number 138, in the chapter on his, sallallahu alayhi wa miracles. 
So breaking it down, what's happened? There was an alarm list. There was an alarm indicating somebody was now coming to attack the holy city. So the Prophet immediately borrowed a horse called Mandub, and the Mandub was a, like a lazy horse belonging to Abu Talha. When he returned, he said, I didn't see anything. There's nothing to worry about, basically. And this horse is like a sea. Now what happened? Anas added, Radiallah, the people once sought help from Rasulullah. He was riding a slow horse belonging to Abu Talha, Allah, which upon his mounting left galloping by himself. Then the people galloped behind him and caught up to Rasulullah. And he said, You won't be able to keep up. He thereupon said, The horse was swift. Anas who added, Indeed, it was never beaten after that day. He became the swiftest horse of all. This is in Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 6122, Sahih Abdul Razak in his Al Musannaf, number 20,423, Abu Nu'im Al Hilya, 1 93, Al Bidayah. So now, a few things pointing out here. First of all, Sheikh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Dehlavi in his Mazayri Ihaq, number 2943, he comments, It is allowed to borrow an animal from someone and to also name an animal and equipment of war. So who did the Prophet borrow the horse from? Abu Talha. And you get the impression he didn't ask permission. So why is that important? Going back to the previous report. What's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. So he was using their belongings. The second thing the Sheikh said is, he gave it a name. What did he call the horse? They called it man, uh, Mandub, lazy. He said, it's Bahr, it's flowing, it's like the sea. And it really became like that. <laughs> the third lesson, note the unparalleled bravery of our beloved Messenger, that he was the first to go out and defend the holy city from any dangers. <laughs> now think about that. Normally you think, mashallah, but this is the commander-in-chief. <laughs> when has the commander-in-chief gone to the front line? <laughs> In fact, you'd make, take precautions for that never to happen. If somebody goes to you, the commander-in-chief, if there's a problem, we want you to go straight onto the front line, you think you're mad. You need to protect him because he's the one who's... And look at the Prophet ﷺ, nobody beat him. He's showing his extreme bravery. And notice he was using the, the belongings of Anas's family. And the horse became very swift, subhanAllah. And like I mentioned, Hazrat Ali who was never defeated. He goes, anybody who came in front of me, he goes, I dispatched. <laughs> and what was one of the three things he loved? He goes, I love to fast on a very hot day. I love to uh, serve the guests. And I love to smash my sword on the head of an unbeliever. <laughs> right? So, why? Because you come out, you're an enemy of Allah and you're going to be taken out. He was never defeated. One to one. And what did this same man say? In Imam Ahmad's Musnad Sayyid Hadith, he said, When the fighting became intense, the bravest of us were those behind the Prophet. So now this needs to be explained. Who said that? Ali. So a person goes, I don't get it. He goes, What don't you get? He was never defeated. So what was he scared of? And why would the one who's never been defeated go behind another person? There's the contradiction. 
So Hazrat Ali was highlighting something else, which is very easily missed. Hazrat Ali was highlighting that Rasulullah was on the battlefield, he wasn't killing anybody. So somebody goes, I don't understand. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullah said he only killed one man, ever. So yes, he fought in Badr, yes, he fought in Uhud, yes, he fought in Khandaq, yes, he fought in Tabuk, you name it. He didn't kill because he's Rahmatullah Alameen. So a person goes, I don't understand, he's fighting, yes. He's fighting without killing. Now what do you think of the person's bravery? If you're behind a person and you're thinking, he's not killing anybody. So what Hazrat Ali was beautifully highlighting, we can't emulate him. He's actually fighting intensely without intentionally killing anybody because of his mercy. But we would seek refuge behind him despite what he was doing. Meaning we're not like him. Both people narrate the hadith and they think they know what they're narrating. And then they get, you even get the impression, Ali buckled. Look, even and he even say, Ali buckled. He went behind the Prophet. Well, whose tafsir is that? And what's interesting, of all the Sahaba to make that point, it was Ali. And not here, the first to go out, it was the Prophet. In conclusion, one can only thus imagine what effect such miracles had upon the Iman, upon this most noble servant of our beloved Messenger. Indeed, all those who had the honor of witnessing them. The peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi always and forever. Amen. So I mentioned a couple or so narrations with regards to miracles which he observed firsthand. So now let's move to another subsection. His participation in the various campaigns during the lifetime of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi So now what's strange? He was only 10 years old when the Prophet migrated. So, from the age of 10 to 20, that's his age with the Prophet. So, when I'm mentioning now, he's participating in campaigns. Which campaigns could he participate? Despite his tender age, Sayyidina Anas still had the honor in participating in many campaigns side by side with our beloved messenger. For instance, for Mama Rahmatullah, he said, when somebody asked Anas were you present during the battle of Badr? He replied, where else would I have been other than Badr? May you lose your mother. <laughs> Muhammad ibn Abdullah Ansari clarified, Sayyidina Anas who accompanied Rasulullah to Badr to serve him whilst he was a young boy at the time. This is in Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 6499, Ibn Asakir, Ibn Sa'ad, Ristabakat, Kanzul Umal, volume 5, page 141, Ibn Kathir, Sira, volume 2, page 330, and volume 4, page 470 of the English translation, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 330 of the New English translation. So now what's interesting, anybody who went to Badr, they were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, putting it very simply, their intention was to lock on to a caravan of the Quraysh. So the Prophet didn't really encourage people to join. No, they just joined thinking we need a few men to intercept Abu Sufyan's caravan. 
But in reality, Allah Ta'ala chose. So now Anas, when the man asked him, were you present at Badr? He didn't say yes. He got angry. Because where else do you think I would be? May your mother lose you. But then a Sunnah later explained, he was too young to fight. He was with him, I think as a servant. Hafiz Zahabi, he confirmed in his seer 2-397, Sayyidina Anas who witnessed the battle of Badr and was with him in more than one campaign. So the great Imam Zahabi said he was there at Badr. He was serving the Prophet And similarly, Jabir ibn Abdullah, who was also a youngster, he said, I was drawing water from the well for my companions at the battle of Badr. Subhanallah. This is in Abu Dawood, Ibn Kathir, Sida, volume 2, page 343 of the English translation, added, These two men, Anas and Jabr, are not mentioned by Imam Bukhari or by Hafiz Addiyah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So let's look at this. So in Abu Dawood, Jabr, he said, I was taking water out for the companions of Badr. Jabr did not fight in that campaign. So he was also serving. But look how interesting. Ibn Kathir said, these two youngsters were not mentioned by Imam Bukhari in the list of Badris or by Hafiz Diya. But there's no contradiction. Why? Because the list of Badris were those who fought. <laughs> Have you understood? <laughs> it is related in Al-Isaba volume 1 page 71. Asadul Ghaba, volume 1, page 127, Ma'riful Ahadith, volume 4, page 575 of the New English Translation, that Anas was around 11 years old during the encounter at Badr. And some other youngsters were also turned away by our beloved messenger, such as Abdullah ibn Umar. So now look at interesting. Some youngsters were turned away. So for instance, in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Asadul Ghabu, volume 3, page 227, one mile outside of Al Madina, Rasulullah reviewed his force and noticed Abdullah ibn Umar. He at the time had not reached the age of maturity, thus he was turned back. Abdullah ibn Umar himself said, I was presented before Rasulullah for the Battle of Badr. Looking at me, he considered me underage and did not allow me to accompany them. Mm. This is in Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Omal, volume 5, page 231, Ayat Sahaba, volume 2, page 120, of the New English Translation. So now, think about that. He wanted to go, he presented himself, the Prophet goes, you're too young. So Islamically, has he lost any rewards? No. You would expect the young Abdullah Ibn Umar to be happy with this turn of events. That he did not participate. But nevertheless, he gets the full rewards. But this was not the case. How do we know? Because he himself said, I did not pass a harder night than that. I could not sleep at all during the night due to weeping and grief. For Rasulullah did not accept me for jihad. This is in Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Umal, volume 5, page 231, Hayat al volume 2, page 120 of the New English Translation. So now, think about this. If you saw a youngster crying all night, his chest heaving, and somebody goes, why do you think he's so upset? Would you, what would you say? Oh, his mom died. No. His father died. No. His friend died. No. Which one would say, oh, he was turned away from a battle? 
practical. We're just a kid. Well, see, asking about what? And there you go. Do we understand even the young sahaba? And don't forget that the poor goes, he was weeping all night. It wasn't just a few drops. He goes, why was I turned away? I was ready for Badr. Subhanallah, such was the iman of a boy during those illustrious times. Though some of the youngsters longed to participate, they turned back with teary eyes. But, subhanallah, as mentioned, Anas was allowed to continue and serve our beloved messenger. Hafiz Zahbi, what did he say in his seer? 2.397 Those who compiled the reports of the campaigns did not count Anas amongst those who participated in the battle of Badr as he was young and did not actually fight. Rather, he was at the rear of the army with the luggage of the warriors and this is the point of harmonization for the apparently conflicting reports. So Hafiz Zahabi said there's no contradiction. He wasn't fighting, so he's not mentioned in the battle. But he's at the back looking after the whatever you know belongings the companions had brought. And don't forget, he was a servant of the Prophet. <laughs> so now, why is that important to highlight? Because is he a Badri? So you could argue, well, he didn't fight. I didn't ask you that. <laughs> is he a Badri? Right? And he goes, but isn't that the same thing? No. Some of the companions were martyred who didn't fight in Badr. And they are Badris. And I mentioned them. One of them was Anas's cousin. <laughs> His poopy son, which I mentioned many moons ago, who was struck by an arrow. And his mother started crying. He goes, oh, Ya Rasulullah, if my son has gone to paradise, I don't mind. But if he's gone somewhere else, only you know what I know, what I will do. And the Prophet goes, he's not even, he's in the highest paradise. And Hafiz Ibn Katir said, this was a man who didn't fight. So that tells you that you didn't need to fight in that encounter to be given honor. So Firdos. And who witnessed the Anas? Anas saw his brother getting martyred, his cousin uh, brother getting martyred in the battle of Badr. Think about that. So no, it was a great honor. And when people questioned him, this is why he got angry. Because where do you think I'm going to be? May your mother lose you. In other words, do you think I'm going to stay behind from the Prophet? Also, look at the prayers of his parents. Which mother will let her 10, 11 year old son go on a campaign? Somebody goes, oh, he just he coming out of his nappies. That was their night. He just come back. He's coming out of his nappies. He's going to Badr. Right? So, Lord Anas was a tremendous honor. Allah was bestowing upon him. As if he needed it as well, if you think about that. You know, hasn't he got enough honors? And yet, Allah goes, no, chuck that one in as well. Mm-hmm. So, all I mentioned today was I concluded the subsection with regards to the miracles which and some of the miracles which he observed. And then I mentioned that the Prophet would use his dwelling as his own and this shows that he was very close to the family of uh, Anas. And then I mentioned now or started the subsection in which we're mentioning his blessed name during the various campaigns. And believe it or not, his name is mentioned at Badr. SubhanAllah. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanak allahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka rabbil alamin shadaqin subhanallah bika rabbil izati amma yasifun salamun ala al-mursalin walhamdulillah rabbil alamin bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal-asr insan lafi khusr alladhina amanu wa 'amilus salihat wa rasul al-haqq wa rasul al-haqq